you got to pursue something that gives you life that makes you want to jump out of bed in the morning. Welcome back to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. The Lodges Podcast. Welcome back. You have to get creative. Like, your content can't just be like you sitting there. I have to, you know, master this D-list athlete if I'm going to get to C-list, to B-list, to A-list. whole slogan was basically, you're famous enough just being yourself. Just be you. A ruthless pursuit to, to be the best. All right, well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is episode 58, and uh, excited for this episode. We have some past returning podcast guests. We've got Chris Green, who's joining us. And so uh, this is kind of a special episode of the podcast because we have uh, basically a lot of the essential people here in Tampa that are kind of leading the gaming and esports community. So um, special episode, we've got three guests, which is the most I've ever had on at once. So this will kind of be more of like a, a roundtable discussion. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, hope you guys tune in. Enjoy it. Uh, but so to introduce our guests, we have Derek Watford. We have Marcus, uh, Marcus Howard. I don't know why I stumbled on that. I've said his name a thousand times. <laughs> and then we got Chris Green with us as well. Um, so thank you guys for, for hopping on here with me, guys. No problem. Appreciate that. Appreciate you. Thanks for having us, Juan. Of course, of course. Um, well, like we were saying, if you guys just want to, we'll go left to right. So, Chris, if you just want to, like, take a minute or so to just introduce yourself, and then we'll go Derek and then Marcus. All right. Name is Chris Green, founder and CEO of Game Drive LLC. So we are a data aggregator company that helps gamers get from couch to competition. Pretty much show your stats where, you, uh, where you're at, so that way you can say you are the best of best demographically. So if you want to say you are the best of best in Tampa, say the best of best in D.C., New York, California, uh, anywhere around the world, we are that platform. And then Derek. Hey, I'm Derek, co-founder of High Point Gamer, uh, Central Florida's premier esports consultant. Started out in the area producing tournaments for the community, um, elevated or transitioned into esports consulting in general, trying to help the success of the esports industry as well as growth esports here in the Tampa market, Central Florida market. And I'm, right, and I'm Marcus Howard, uh, CEO of formerly Project MQ, working on a rebrand. So stay tuned in three or four weeks for the new name. But what we're building is an online platform for colleges and other non-endemic brands to leverage family-friendly esports to engage younger audiences and and the focus there primarily is independent video games i also work with you all with the tampa association of gaming um, helping grow both the gaming industry and steam youth programs here in the tampa bay region yeah for sure well no yeah no it's a lot of a lot of talking between all of us so um it's weird because the first time, you know, Marcus, you were on and then Derek, I feel like I was just getting to start to know you guys, but now I just feel so much more comfortable with you guys. So it's, it's different interviewing you on this back end now, almost a year later, really. So, um, but no, I'm excited to have you guys. Good to have you back, man. Yeah, thanks uh, for Definitely, definitely. Um, so let's kick it off. And, and so kind of like we were saying before we hopped on here, if... I think the best way to start maybe is for people that are outside of Tampa. If each of you just kind of wants to take two to three minutes and kind of describe when you started or launched your business professional gaming career and on the business side of things, and just kind of give us like a condensed story of, you know, where you started, where you're at right now, and then maybe like one pivotal moment along the way, just so that, you know, everybody tuning in and listening can kind of understand, you know, where the growth of the gaming ecosystem Tampa has been just for, for context. Um, so we'll flip it. And so this time, Marcus, if, if you want to kick off and then we'll go Derek and then Chris. Sure. So I started um, in the gaming industry in 2013. It was the same year I moved down to Tampa Bay from uh, Statesboro, Georgia, Southeast Georgia. And my brother and I launched a multimedia search engine exclusively for indie games. And roughly around 2017, we actually started producing um, live in-person uh, activations, we called it indie game arcade. So we would curate these amazing games from around the world and provide a free arcade so that kids and their parents could see games other than, you know, those the mass market titles. Again, nothing against Call of Duty or Madden, but just something that was different than what you would see every day on, on your TV ads and, and what you see, uh, you know, on major, major media. Um, and, and at that point, later that year, we actually got invited to produce our indie game arcade for DreamHack Atlanta, which was the first year they were in Atlanta. So that was amazing for us. And 
a pivotal, another pivotal moment for us was in 2018, the next year, we got to produce iHeartMedia's first eSports event up at Andretti's Karting in Atlanta. And that same year, PayPal selected our business out of 20,000 businesses nationwide as their top digital service of their 2018 business conference. So that, that's where we've been, where we're going, like I said, is, is more so into eSports. We shut down the search engine back in December. Yeah. Yeah. No, so you guys have got a kind of re- recent pivot, but exciting yeah. things for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, so my journey started off a little different than uh, uh, Marcus. We started by producing tournaments here in the area, doing Madden and 2K tournaments as a way to uh, give those within the community something else to do. I know uh, if you have kids, uh, when they reach that teenage age, there isn't much for them to do if they're not working, so to speak. Uh, so we decided let's capitalize on uh, video games and tournaments uh, had uh, Tim Anselmo, known to the 2K industry as Old Larry, uh, come through and he actually won our Madden tournament. Um, so that became our uh, beginning of our relationship, and that's when the 2K league kicked off. And uh, me and him worked together. I did some stuff for him to try to help him get on the top of the list to be selected for the 2K uh, league. Um, our relationship. He invited me to be his plus one. Uh, for the NBA 2K draft up to New York. I went up to the draft in New York, and that was probably my pivotal moment of realizing that uh, there's much more to esports or much more value I can bring other than just producing the tournament side, especially once I uh, sat there and I talked to those that were draftees that uh, they were coming from communities or environments where the video games kept them out of trouble while their homeboys were getting in trouble. Um, and here they are now going to the 2K League, and they didn't have any type of support or any type of um, even fanfare in the crowd. They were they were scrounging together their money just to make the trip to New York to be part of the draft. And I realized that, hey, uh, esports is providing an opportunity for these guys that they would otherwise have. There would be no other opportunity uh, presented to them at that exact moment that would give them 30 grand and a salary and a title and insurance and et cetera. Uh, so I realized that uh, my part that I wanted to play within the industry is to, one, uh, help those type of gamers uh, be successful within the industry and help organizations uh, know how to make the industry successful because uh, even being part of uh, watching how the NBA did the NBA 2K League, I realized that they, they, uh, just because they're professionals and just because we consider NBA the top, uh, they still there was a lot of learning that they needed to do in relates to esports, and that learning could either damage esports or it could help um, transition esports into something um, sustainable and, and valuable that we uh, know it to be. Uh, since my time in the esports industry of trying to pioneer, I've met uh, the likes of Marcus, yourself, um, Chris as well, that were doing things in the esports industry and helping not only just esports from a competitive standpoint, but the gaming industry and those that love the gaming industry, and even those that don't understand the gaming industry, but can benefit from it, say, from a community standpoint, because I think a lot of governments and even big organizations are now just starting to realize that uh, esports and gaming, it's not the demon that they think it that it is. It is something that they actually, if used correctly, like any type of uh, tool, uh, it could benefit them in the long run. Uh, so being part of uh, Tampa Association of Gaming, Global Coalition of Gaming, um, all those efforts have been actually to help just grow uh, the opportunities here in the U.S. because we are behind when it comes to gaming uh, in general, esports, even though it's, you know, it's making a whole bunch of money, but there's so many gaps in it. And those gaps need to be filled by people like us that actually are gamers, uh, actually care about the community and actually understand uh, that audience that benefits from gaming and esports. And we're talking about, you know, your typical regular person, nine to five, or even you're talking about the uh, reclusive nerd with no friends and self-esteem, et cetera, that is, can benefit off of uh, the social aspects in gaming. I'm that so person. Every... <laughs> and also part of their journey, we worked with uh, USF, was part of their esports summit. Uh, also worked with Full Sail, uh, Bolts Gaming, um, USF, uh, Vinic Sports Management, they've actually been very pivotable, pivotable, pivotable in uh, uh, supporting esports in our area. So. All right, and then the last question I heard as always. Uh, <laughs> so for for Game Drive 2016 was the uh, 
first pivotal year. So of course, I had an aha moment of wanting to uh, kind of rebrand uh, Ringling Brothers Circus, uh, especially when they were wanting to uh, decommission the circus and everything else. Why? So I was like thinking, make a business plan, go to Palmetto, uh, Florida, talk to them, see how can we make gaming uh, a gaming circus. You know, travel around the states and. Uh, pretty much showcase the the best of the best you know gamers in that town or whatever case it may be and then pivotal moment for us would have been what were we really doing which was showcasing those gamers to say they are the best and best in their hometown that way they have the bragging rights to say that they're the best of the best and hopefully be able to find people like Derek you know a consultant who can you know get them onto potential people uh, in front of potential people I should say really so that way they can uh, hopefully put them on the team and be part of the, that, that now that now uh, esports league in either 2K, Madden, um, FIFA, and that's just a sports game, but also like Overwatch, uh, Call of Duty, CSGO, and whatnot. So um, that's where we uh, changed our pivot moment to be more of a data analytics company. And uh, still that now, um, the last pivotal moment that we're doing at this point is being more of that resource. So being a place where you can find Derek for uh, an esports consultant, where you can find Marcus to be that um, indie game developer spokesperson, or just say, you know what, here's some cool games that is like um, Fall Guy. You know, that's right now the latest, hottest uh, indie game I want to say that's out there. And, um, you know, find like, one of just being on a podcast or need some financial help or some other services that he offers so um that's where we're at right now for game drive is just to be that resource that way the gamers can want to say that they're the best gamers they have the support of the community with businesses um small up to the largest to support them hopefully get them to the esports pro teams and then also um connecting with the community so you know connecting with other people that are playing the same games with them, you know, like-minded and, you know, want to do big things in their career um, in and outside of um, the game industry. Yeah. And I think, and I think we've talked about this in past conversations when we've had group phone calls with people or, you know, panels and stuff. I think, you know, from the outside looking in, if you're someone tuning in, that's not in Tampa, there's a lot of us. When you look at us, it's not like, you know, Chris and I are doing the same thing or Marcus and Derek are doing the same thing. There's a lot of us that kind of have our niche and are, and are helping the ecosystem in a different way. So I think that's something that's unique about Tampa that, you know, obviously if you're not comparing it to like an LA or New York that obviously has hundreds of people in the space. But when you're comparing it to other cities, I think that's, you know, something unique about us. Um, so I, I guess the first question then to kick it off now that everyone's got a little bit of context of where you guys have been, you know, your businesses and some pivotal moments. Um, you know, what is your opinion on the best way to engage Tampa as a community to embrace the space a bit more and to really utilize it to the best, whether it's a business or whether it's a kid that's got, you know, ambition to go pro or become a streamer? Um, what are you guys thoughts on that? We'll just open it up. Whoever wants to take it first. I guess I'll dive in on that one. Um, I, I think for Tampa to be successful or to really capitalize on the industry here, the powers that be aren't in the community. They, they're busy doing powers that be stuff, you know, and, and that connection to the community um, makes them not really understand the potential or the opportunity when it comes to gaming and esports. Uh, we are actually in the community uh, from a whether you're talking about high schools or whether you're talking about a uh, real deal gaming community. Uh, so we actually could be the ones that can deliver that engagement or understand that engagement or lead that engagement. But we have to go to those that aren't in the community and try to convince them of the value of the community. Um, and once we do that, then we will see an uptick in the success. Because Tampa is ripe for, it's just, they have to be ready to be ripe for. Yeah, I'll echo that. You know, you, you can look even in the state at Orlando, the Esports Commission as an extension of their traditional sports commission and Atlanta did the same thing. Atlanta recently and may still be, you know, the top market in the country for esports and gaming in Kansas City. It's all about getting those stakeholders in the same room so that they can understand the value of what gaming and esports brings to the community from a financial perspective, social um, inclusion workforce development, all of that is embedded inside of gaming and esports waiting to be unlocked, but you've got to have the right people who are willing to, to really let 
those of us in the space, like the four of us, um, help them understand how to implement it because they, it's not that they can't do it themselves, but it doesn't make sense for them to, to try to reinvent the wheel when they have the expertise in the community and we're here and ready to help. I guess to add on to that, we more of um, what we all are doing is just pretty much more educating the community. And uh, kind of like what Marcus said about, you know, reinventing the wheel and, you know, trying to do the things that we are already doing in this space, um, you know, as more, hopefully they, not just hear this podcast, but any other podcast in esports and gaming that, you know, there are people just like myself, Derek, Marcus, uh, Juan, and others that are doing different things that put this whole gaming industry together where, um, you know, Tampa can make uh, a killing in, in this market. You know, Derek always says, you know, we got nice beaches, we got nice weather all the time, pretty much 365. Why not put, you know, an esports um, hub in Tampa? Why not put an esports team in Tampa, you know, host the events in Tampa where literally you got four hours from Miami, you got an hour, maybe two hours, depending if you're trying to go to Orlando for Disney, Universal and all that mess. So, you know, come on, you hear the door knocking for this. Just answer it. <laughs> no, definitely. Do you think, and so I, and for context purposes, I don't know if anyone listening, but some of you guys know, obviously I'm, I'm new to Tampa. Obviously you guys on here know that I only moved here, you know, a year and a half ago. Do you think, and I've been wondering about this. So given that you guys have been here longer than I have, do you think that maybe it's past experience that people had in Tampa? Because I know Tampa has grown a lot just as a city as a whole with development, with more people moving here, with more things to do. Do you think that maybe a lot of people that maybe are older and more of these management positions in the in the industry, they don't see that or they don't know that yet? Or do you think that it's just straight up, you know, Tampa hasn't really had an opportunity to shine and thrive as, as you know, a city for gaming and esports? Um, so go right. for it, Chris. Go for it. Uh, I've been here now for 10 years. Um, I'm going to say it's a mixture of both. So um, we all know Tampa is more of a fintech Um area than anything um it is somewhat of the the stubbornness um from from getting of age but um it's one of those just to see that potential or see what it brings out from uh the game industry to tampa you know they have to see that dollar value and we can show them that dollar value all day long but um to them I want to say they're still thinking that, you know, they still see it in the mom's basement, nowhere to go. It's a waste of time. You know, it's something to do only in college. You know, granted, we have USF, University of Tampa, um, and other schools that are around here, uh, Florida Southern and Lakeland. But, you know, those schools that are actually now getting into the esports are seeing uh, more um, attendance in their schools. So more people going to those schools. They're seeing more other students being uh really attentive to like their education wise because it's kind of tied into the education especially if you're going for a certain track like um software development um programming uh graphics arts music um and all the things so management you know things that regular businesses you know have gaming industry has as well it's just a different tactic as i say i think also uh Tampa, I've been here since 2000. Um, and Tampa, if you talk to a Tampa native, um, it's hard to find Tampa native at one point. It was like, because people come from somewhere else to come to Tampa was the mindset. Um, so Tampa culture, for the most part, is they value things not from the area, meaning that if you're someone that's, I don't know, like a big name and you're coming here, they value that. Uh, but if they've seen you and they've seen your progress and they've seen your growth, they don't value that as much um, as far as move, especially when it comes to money, because most money, a lot of money here is old money. We're making that transition now because of the, uh, a lot of the changes that we have within the region. Uh, but still, the powers that be, um, they're not really risk takers uh, for the most part. Like They don't want to try anything new because they have their tried and true. Like right now, real estate is booming. So let's stay with real estate. Um, Esports is, you, we can show them articles all day. We can show them fancy videos and, and that stuff sounds good. But when it comes time to put actual funding behind it or dedicate resources to it, uh, that's where we re uh, reach our resistance. And I think that's just a shift. Um, my only concern about being 
Um, even though I'm not a Tampa native, but I feel like being here since 2000, when you can go downtown and it was like an old ghost town after seven o'clock. And now look at it now on the, on how it is when you go downtown Tampa. Um, what I don't want to happen is because we have pioneers uh, like us here in the area that's been champion for esports, we've been putting work into esports and gaming, that's been spending our own uh, funding and resources behind esports and gaming. Someone else from somewhere else like California or Atlanta, where those companies, whoever they are, whoever they may be, sounds cooler uh, than representing mm -hmm. or supporting us, and they become the leaders in something that we've been trying to forge. Uh, and then we're kind of left out in the dust, so to speak. That's my only concern. And I, think I don't know if I have anything to add to that. Uh, Chris and, and Derek pretty much covered it, but I, I do think that to both of their points, it is a, a older mentality. You look at the gaming industry is really just a part of consumer technology, right? Which is a part of the entire business ecosystem. So for people who don't aren't dialed into consumer tech, they might not understand that the gaming industry is larger than the film and music industries combined, that the global gaming industry is larger than the global sports industry. And, you know, it's the, the industry as a whole was projected to double to about 300 billion over the next five years. So if they don't see that to Derek's point, if they, they, they don't understand what's happening, then us explaining it to them all day and showing them videos doesn't make sense because they can't relate because they don't see it here. I think the other opportunity there though, this is Tampa Bay, right? We're right now we're having this conversation truly around kind of the city of Tampa. And I think there are there are other opportunities in the Bay Area where we may have more support than what we've been seeing. No, definitely. And I know there's things that and conversations in the works with, you know, other places and, and things like that. So I don't know really what I can say. So I won't say anything there. But um to to Derek's point, I mean, also I I completely understand where you know, I think Derek, you and I actually talked about that on the way over to Orlando, where that was like a concern of yours, where you have someone from like, I don't know, let's use LA, for example, that has a reputation and a track record in gaming, and then they come to Tampa, and then there's, you know, all the support behind it. Whereas then you've got, you know, people right here already, like, you know, on this show and others that are already here and trying to push it. And it's legitimate. It's not like, you know, four of us are hopping on here on a phone call and like, there's no nothing proven or anything. We're just like trying to like make it, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but I, I mean, I think I've seen from since I've gotten here, uh, I think I've seen a lot of good things hopefully moving forward. It seems like there's been a little bit more interest, at least in, in my, you know, year and a half here. So we'll see. Obviously, um, I guess a good transition is the Super Bowl is coming up here next year or coming down here next year. Um, so that'll be a huge opportunity to, you know, not only just show off Tampa and maybe how it's grown over the last couple of years, but for, for gaming and esports and for everything we're working on. So, um, Marcus, I know you're kind of, leading the Super Bowl project and event on Super Bowl weekend. Um, so we can kind of discuss it here for a couple of minutes, just for maybe anyone who hasn't heard of it and wants to learn. But if you kind of want to just kick it off and then maybe tell them a little bit about it, and then we can kind of get Derek and, and Chris's opinion on it. Sure. The goal is to do something that's never been done in the history of sports is really to bring esports to the level of respect and, and presence and engagement that you have from the rest of the event, right? equal to the Super Bowl experience. So we're designing a two-day charity gaming slash esports slash Steam event that is a charity fundraiser for Steam education of at-risk youth. So while everybody's getting entertained and potentially winning prizes and, and everything that's happening over that two-day period, ultimately we're, we're investing back into the community so that we can have a long-term benefit to future innovators after the Super Bowl on. So the first day is going to be very education focused, um, you know, how to build your own computer and how to co compute or how to, how to program your own game and building bots and things of that nature, uh, drones. The second day will be more entertainment focused. So, you know, just like you would expect from a dream hack, expo, uh, concerts, free play zone, vendor booths, things of that nature. But again, it's, it's about bringing the entire community together. We want this to be accessible. So not only do we have those two days uh, planned, but we also have kind of this distributed watch party concept where if you can't either afford the ticket to the event or you can't afford, or you don't have the means like the, the transportation to get to the, the different facilities, because one day is gonna be in St. Pete, the other one's gonna be in Tampa. 
you can go to the local bar or, or arcade or barcade and be a part of that experience remotely. And one thing, one thing that we definitely want to uh, reiterate is that we're supporting at-risk youth, um, but we don't like the stigma that at-risk youth is the kid that's um, behind the 7-Eleven smoking cigarettes with the pocket knife that, you know, that's running off to be a criminal. Um, at-risk youth is youth that are not able to reach their full potential or that are hindered from their potential based on their circumstances or the opportunities that they're given. And that can be anybody. That can be the kid that uh, parent works 18-hour uh, shift and he's home alone most of the time by himself. And uh, But he could. Um, be having a social life within gaming online on a community that encourages and motivates him, allows him to work on his self-esteem, social inclusion, et cetera. Um, that's the whole scope of at-risk youth. So the opportunity that we're providing using this uh, Super Bowl platform, again, as Marcus said, is something that hasn't been done before. Um, and we're hoping that we have the support that it should have because it covers so many opportunities from, like you said, consumer uh, uh, digital engagement, uh, social, economic engagement, et cetera. Like, there's no reason not to, other than you just don't get it. <laughs> Bluntly put, yeah. <laughs> Anything to add, Chris? Oh, Derek and Marcus Kareem has covered it. So They got um, it. Yeah. Out there looking for sponsors. We'll just make that a clip. Any any anyone wants to sponsor the event, we would love to talk. <laughs> but uh and cool sponsors on the way to announce though, not to you know to to just also vouch the event. It's not like we don't already have someone involved, but um well and, and I think too, I guess to wrap up the Super Bowl conversation, that was really brief, but I think too, when you have people come and visit, I mean, I know like the St. Pete Pier was built and I can't remember specifically that was built because of having to have a Super Bowl attraction in the city. But um, it seems like there's been a lot of construction even just since the Super Bowl got near because of all the things going on. So hopefully us having the Super Bowl just even advances the city as a whole. And then again, it just continues to solidify that, you know, we're a good ecosystem for this. But um, on that note, what else, in your guys' opinion, why does Tampa make a good destination for gaming and esports? Um, and what would you say are ways that we can go about marketing it for, again, maybe those people that, that don't know about it? You know, what are your thoughts is the best way to do it? We got the best so, beaches. I mean, hey. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think Tampa in general is a uh, destination location. Uh, we have over 10 cranes in the air on in downtown like what what city is doing that right now especially in a pandemic uh still going on like we have uh like you said chris said the beaches not just you got beaches in tampa that you can go to you got saint pete beaches you can go to you can go up to tarpon springs and hit the beaches you can go down to sarasota and hit the beaches uh you have orlando like you said an hour or so away you have miami four hours away um we're located with the awesome international airport. I think we're like top in the top five, if I'm not mistaken, as far as airports go. Um, and our weather, uh, we're way better than being up north in the wintertime, that's for sure. Uh, and our community is actually a diverse community um, because of the military uh, presence that's here, that's been here. Um, it doesn't get any better than that other than going over to California. We know how expensive California is. So uh, we are the East Coast version. I can't name a place actually that would be better to go to. I know people like to go to Atlanta because uh, Atlanta <laughs> supports esports more, but or people like to go to Texas. But still, there's nothing like where we're located here in Florida. And no state income tax, just FYI. Yeah, yeah. They just need to they just need to get the marijuana thing going, man. And uh, I think I think we'll trump we'll trump Colorado and California. <laughs> we'll be the full package. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've also got an international seaport, right? Uh and and like Derek mentioned, the cost of living here is lower than, than most other cities and communities our size. And then if you look at from a talent perspective. We've got University of South Florida and St. Pete College, and there's a, a number of them, you know, within a hundred mile radius. I can't remember what what the number is, but it's it's a significant number of, of 
higher institution or higher education institutions that are, are within 100 miles of the city, or the, the region rather. And I think in 2017, what was it? Uh, the city of St. Pete had like the youngest, the most millennials out of any city in the state. So if you're looking just purely for the state of Florida, you know, this region represents some of the, the youngest communities in the state. And mm-hmm. then as a, a startup ecosystem, Tampa Bay is, is regularly showing up on like the top, you know, ecosystems to be invested in for, for startups, as is for real estate, to Derek's point earlier. Yeah, no, it seems like there's been a lot this year and last year that I've seen, again, because that's since I've been here of just Tampa being a good place to move to if you're young, if you're in tech, like all these, you know, boxes that it checks. But um, one of the things that and I know this is a conversation, again, I don't know why I'm thinking so much about this Orlando trip, but this is something I know Derek and I talked about, um, and I'm sure you guys have as well, is that I do think a gaming and esports facility would be one of those things that would really help push Tampa forward because now you've got something tangible that's physical. People can see it. You can buy into it. There's like a thousand things in the economic, you know, impact that that makes. But for you guys, and again, this is just being hypothetical, but, um, you know, what kind of impact do you see a future gaming and esports facility? Like if Tampa were to have that, how do you guys think would that help it? Do you think it's not right for it now? Um, kind of what, what are you guys' opinions on that? We're behind. Um, I mean, Orlando <laughs> already has one. I mean, Fools already <laughs> built their um, esports facility. So, I mean, like I said, we're behind. And other cities are either have their own or making their own. So, uh, one, we need to catch up. Um, it needs to be a facility not just, um, just strictly on competing, but also like um, – training facility um a learning center so um like i said for like my business wise is being a resource that facility needs to be a resource for um those gamers so that way they can have one a place to shine um whether it is in front of this camera streaming or behind the camera go for it marcus Chris is right. We, we are behind. I think we're starting to hopefully make some progress here in the next six to 12 months. Um, you know, we've got the RFP that we supported for um, South St. Pete, which I think is important because it's in a, a more urban, uh, a lower income community. And not only does it, it help bring more foot traffic and, and, and tourist traffic and dollars from outside the community, even, you know, calling Tampa, moving into, into St. Pete, those tourist dollars. But we envision that space to be kind of a next generation YMCA. So we're teaching kids how to be streamers. The goal is to teach them how to be streamers, how to be competitive gamers, how to do things outside of the two of those things, like build their own games and learn how to code. And and just generally those many other STEAM career opportunities that are in gaming outside of streaming and competitive play. So we seem to have a lot of support from the community. The 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 powers that be, as Derek refers to them, you know, haven't made a, an official decision yet. But I think that's a great start because it's also down the street from St. Pete College and across the street from a, a uh, elementary school. So there's there's a lot of value to be created in the community by doing that. And I think it then gives Tampa Bay as a region something to point to and say, this is what we've been talking about for years. Let's do more of that. That's agreed. I think the value of a facility would also allow the powers that be to actually feel it and touch it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to tap the powers that be to give you the green light to make the damn thing in the first place to, to prove it to them. Um, and I think that is the challenge. Uh, the use, uh, the value of a facility is there. Um, if you, if we just, Combined efforts, like I always say, like we combine combined efforts and combine the risk of a facility amongst everyone that would use the facility, um, we would see that we could use the facility at least ninety percent of the time. Ninety percent occupancy, at least, is my my thought process. And then that also gives us something to point to while we're trying to turn Tampa. Uh, Tampa Bay, Central Florida, into a destination. Right now, we can't say it's a destination for esports um, because if someone comes, they have to bring all mm-hmm. their stuff and their whole infrastructure and set up when they don't need to do that if they want to go down to Arlington or they want to go to Philly or California. They can actually just show up uh, and do their thing because there is an infrastructure already there to support it. 
Right. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to tap in here for a second, just to give my opinion. Cause I, I think this is an important topic is to that point, right? If you don't have the facility, if you don't have a team, cause obviously we don't have an esports team here either. So that would also be an added benefit. So, um, but on the facility side, if you don't have that, the points you like, you're saying Derek, you don't have then for outside tournaments, you know, maybe the facility doesn't have to be large enough to hold like, you know, a world championship, but you can't have tournaments. You can't have outside teams then really look at Tampa because they have nowhere to practice and compete. It's no different in that sense than traditional sports because any NBA, NFL team, you know, college football team, when they travel, they have a practice facility while they're there. Um, and, you know, there's lots of, of friends and people that I know that have the facilities. And that seems to be the conversation a lot is that they've really grown not only their network and their value, but they have these teams that come from the outside and they go to facilities and they practice. And that helps then the facilities revenue and its economic impact. It's just like, in my, in my mind, it's a no brainer. I think you guys agree. Um, and, you know, local businesses can benefit from it, from advertisements. Like you're saying, there's a lot of ways you can utilize it. Um, but I guess the second question I have with that, and this is kind of being more blunt is I think a lot of the times it seems like there's been this conversation and people will kind of point fingers and be like, well, then why don't you guys invest into it? Or why don't you guys do it? I think that to to answer that and I want to get your guys' opinion, it's obviously, and we like to be authentic here in the podcast. I try to keep it as real as I can, because I know that sometimes you can't do that in other places, but obviously three to four, three to five people sometimes especially in an emerging industry can't come here to do this. So what do you guys bluntly think are, what's your opinion on it? And what do you think are really the ways that we have to go about to push this more, if that makes sense? And if that's too much, tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if I won the lottery right now, I would definitely put that money towards um, an esports arena, stadium, whatever case may be in Tampa, someplace where all of us can get to, you know, have all the, the, the businesses here that want to sponsor or be part of that new upcoming um, growth of Tampa, I should say, really, because if we're bringing all the millennials and they're staying down here, meaning they're going to be telling their friends from wherever they came from, they're like, hey, come to Tampa. We got Rays. We got um, the Bucks. We got um, the Bolt, uh, the Lightning. We got now a Tampa Esports team. So we want to kind of fill that spot you know, that extra slot, the extra slot in their uh, list to come down to Florida, but also stay in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, if, like, like I said, if I just wanted, if I had the money for it, I would definitely put one right now. I mean, I would, that's, that's my opinion. I think from, if we're really honest here, right? Like, I'm going to use myself for an example. I'm a gamer. Um, my day job career was based around technology. Um, that career allowed me to take care of a, a wife, two kids, a house, and a car. Uh, but I wasn't no damn venture capitalist that was making millions of dollars that I, I'm able to sit on and pull out their resources because I, I know the value of esports. I'm in the grind still uh, trying to secure and, and get the funding needed. But nothing that I'm doing right now is going to put me up uh, 5 to $10 million that I can dump into a facility all of my own. Um, and neither do I think I should because you got to think of where is these community engagement dollars? Where are these uh, grants and mm-hmm. STEM education, STEAM education stuff? Like what, where is that money and funding being dumped into? Um, I know you don't think you're going to save a damn community by putting up another basketball court and uh, for them to play on right now, like technology, uh, digital engagement, tech is the way to go. And if there's funding available to that, and you're giving that funding out to other organizations, whatever, no knock to any other nonprofit or whatever, but what are you doing? Are you doing, you're doing another book bag giveaway, you're doing another meet and greet. And, and those things are, are one-offs. They're not real impact in the community uh, that can be used over and over. You know, you're giving out this funding to groups that are doing something annually and, and that's cool. But when you can take that same funding and put it into a facility that tackles all of the things that you're worried about from mental health, economic uh, improvement, empowerment, and all those things. Uh, I feel like that's the win-win. And the money and the finances are available. And, and to the nonprofits that are doing whatever they're doing in the community, if they're not trying to focus on ways that people can generate revenue, uh, improve their mental health, improve diversity, improve social inclusion, then you're doing old school stuff that 
you need to step aside on if that's about as blunt as I can get it. That's well put. <laughs> Marcus, do you have anything? <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm to not call it the first group. I'm going to call it the second. So actually, the, the three of us worked, uh, and, and one, I think this is before we started working with you, the three of us were working on bringing an esports facility here to Tampa Bay. I think, you know, Derek okay. and Chris remember that about, I don't know, this was this time last year. You know, we spent six months trying to put everything together. Uh, there was a, an agreement we had in place, a legal contract where we would source the property. We would source um, the, the community to get behind it, get behind the effort. And then the person from outside the Tampa Bay market would bring some resources that we, the three of us and our smaller group at the time didn't have access to. So we did everything that was asked of us. And then that individual, and that individual's organization decided to cut us out of the deal, it, which was in direct violation of the contract, but they did it anyway. Um, by cutting us out of the deal from people who were in the local community who otherwise weren't really supporting us to begin with. So somehow magically, even though we've been asking for the support from the community for years, collectively the three of us, this individual comes in and now all of the, the, the resources that we've been asking for and been denied now almost immediately available to this individual. Luckily, we had the contract in place because otherwise, you know, we'd be up Shit's Creek. So that that's one example to, to go back to what Derek was saying about like us needing support in this community instead of someone outside the community just automatically bringing their brand or their network or whatever and, and kind of pulling the rug out from us. The person I will name directly, and this is not a call out, but this is a challenge, Jeff Vinnick, who has his name on a building at the University of South Florida, who owns the Tampa Bay Lightning and the, the stadium that Lightning play in, who's investing in billions of dollars of development in downtown Tampa, is also the executive director of Axiomatic Gaming. Who also owns uh, Team Liquid. Right, right. It, it owns Team Liquid, is invested in, in uh, Epic Games, among you know several other high-performing uh, portfolio companies. He even gave the keynote at the USF Esports Summit last year. It doesn't make sense that the executive director of one of the most popular and most successful esports conglomerates, if you will, holding companies, lives here in Tampa Bay, and we can't get a single dollar from his networking community to support esports and gaming here in Tampa Bay. I mean, listen, I, I'm obviously, like I've said numerous times, I'm new to this area. I personally obviously don't know Jeff Finnick. I don't know that any of us personally know him on a personal level, but I attended the USF summit last year. So I saw that opening speech or, or whatever you would call it. Um, and, you know, I mean, I would agree and I'm not calling out, but I, I would challenge, you know, especially, you know, given Chris's point that you're tied to liquid, you know, kind of, you know, put your money where your mouth is a little bit more, in, in my opinion, because I think that I, I think the fear from really anyone that maybe would be in this position is kind of that we're talking about here. Or any other city is you don't want all of the groundwork and all of the building to be done by other people that are smaller and then when moment finally arrives and it flourishes, you then have someone that just sits there kind of as the image. And I don't want to say takes credit, but you get what I'm saying. It, it, it doesn't come off right. So, um, no, I mean, I agree. I, I, I would I would challenge more people that are in upper positions in Tampa that have the resources, that have the network that, that can push this to, you know, get more behind it, especially given where we're at. And I think a lot of the attention that gaming has gotten during COVID and all that. So, um I mean, I, I would definitely agree with that, Marcus. And I would yeah. add on to, uh, sorry, I would add on to what Marcus said is that, you know, if Vinick's name is on sports and management and they want to plug into esports, I mean, he pretty much has all the keys to the, all the keys to the kingdom to make a facility, run the facility and anything and beyond to, um, pretty much get it off the ground running. So, um, you know, to mark as a challenge to to Vinick and everything else, you know, what's holding you back? If you pretty much have an organization that can pretty much create a team or teams in depending on whatever game they want to play, um, you have a USF that's a USF behind you that has your name on a program that's pretty much built around sports and management. Just add in esports and then you're good to go. This should be 
like I said, we're behind. This should be already done as soon as he pretty much sign that contract or deal with Axiomatics in 2017. When Team Liquid won um, the Dota 2 International for $24 million, and Team Liquid took $10 million prize pool out of that. So he came yeah. in at a good time. <laughs> yeah. He, 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 he did come in at a good time. And I'm not taking anything away from, from all the success he's had in the sports you know, industry. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's incredibly valuable, right? He, he adds a lot of insight um, and, and just, you know, credibility to the space, experience. Right. But, but to, as we were all saying, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And I want to extend that challenge really to the key stakeholders in the startup ecosystem. You know, it doesn't make any sense that, that uh, you know, Chris, for his company, is still raising his seed round when there's all this money here in Tampa Bay. Uh, I've been down here since 2013. I recently had to go use equity crowdfunding to go crowdfund to fund my pre-seed round because I did the, the circuit, the tour, if you will, in the ecosystem, and I got no money. Uh, you know, and and that that's not going to support the ecosystem success the same way that we see in Atlanta. Atlanta, I think, has a hundred million dollar fund for investing in, in esports teams and esports initiatives. That's the type of commitment it's going to take from the entire community. You need investors, you need local businesses, you need sports teams, you need the local government, you need the schools. Almost the same structure that Synapse has generally for innovation, we need that specifically for esports if we want to have the success and the benefits that Georgia mm -hmm. has. 2018, the gaming and esports industry generated $800 million, $830 million in direct economic impact for the state of Georgia. Jobs created like $75,000 plus benefits. Companies created um, 5,000 plus graduates with cybersecurity or other technology degrees. It, it, it's a no brainer. We, and we have the people here to, to make this happen, like us on the call, the, the four of us and the other people that we're working with, we can make this happen. We just need to get the support from the rest of the ecosystem. Derek, I think that, I, I know you've been quiet, so I want to give you an opportunity. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I mean, definitely. I, I agree with everything. I think in Atlanta is a, a great example, you know, of them really getting behind it. And we've kind of, you know, like Marcus just alluded to, we've seen how that's really allowed the city to flourish. And I think they're going to continue to flourish because they're continuing to get behind it and double down on it. So, um, It'll be interesting to see what happens here in Tampa and, you know, hopefully as we continue to do work and we continue to, you know, like Chris was saying, just educate people within the community and continue to just do content like this, put a podcast out, you know, shout out to Synapse for having us the other a couple of weeks ago and, and allowing us to be a part of something like that. I think that was really awesome and special. So, um, I mean, I guess for anybody listening, it, it's opportunities like that and just putting the platform out there and allowing us to kind of, you know, lead it. I mean, we're, we're all running real businesses here. We're all doing, you know, work within the system. So um, it, it'll be kind of cool to see uh, where the city goes from here. Um, Atlanta was kind of my last point as kind of an example. Um, anything else as far as the city of Tampa as a whole and, and any impact we haven't talking about or anything else is on your guys' mind just as far as, um, as all this goes. I feel like we I feel like we touched on the major points, um, just support and the value. And it's and it's not even like fake support that we're needing from a uh, charity. Like we don't need a charity to please help us, like just recognize the value mm -hmm. in it, the value that it can bring to the area and the region and to the community and allow the people that are interested in bringing that value. And we're talking about people that are actually interested in doing the man hour work, not uh, someone that's like, oh, esports is great. Uh, go do this thing and don't understand it. Like you actually have the, the people here in the community that's willing to sit up in the middle of the night or, or work during the day to knock it out if the resources are provided. Anyone outside of that is not going to make it successful. Someone that's uh, not within the gaming industry but is a power that be that is running around trying to attend conferences and read books and learn esports, and you're not really going to be successful for the most part because you're not going to do the, the actual uh, boost the ground work. Sure, you're going to probably get the value of esports, but are you going to have the passion for it? Are you going to have the connect, uh, be connected to the community for it? That's what you need to find.
And I think some organizations get caught up on, like, let me just toss it to someone that's going to go do it. And you have the person that's like, oh, I need to go learn about esports. And here you are three years later, and you're still running around learning what to do with esports. And the resource that you would actually have to implement esports is running dry or sitting dormant when you can just tap the people that actually already know it and, and put our asses to work, man. I mean, I mean, just imagine like, you know, Marcus saying, you know, he's kind of done the circuit of funding in Tampa. I mean, imagine how far off the races Marcus would be right now if he got the funding he needed or, or Chris for the same, you know, the same argument right now. So, um, no, definitely. I mean, I, mean, I definitely agree. Yeah. I guess the last, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was saying for the, the circuit of, of seed funding and everything else wise, I mean, um, where I'm at for it, just to give you a little insight of my platform wise, like the development team that I found, actually um finished my mvp during this pandemic you know i owe them of course the funds to pay them for doing it but they were actually they actually finished it it looks great and looking forward to testing it actually later this year and hopefully still do the circuit of trying to raise funding so that way one i can pay them but also we continue and get this to uh phase one so that way it can be that you know resource for um for everybody in and out of the gaming industry, but um, yeah, it is it is a lot a lot work and a lot of challenging of finding those so-called not just powers to be, but those people who have the money and see the value in um, in the esports, but are willing to spend that dollars outside of the community. So there goes so um, not to pick on Vinick, but you know him using act going to axiomatics where if he built an esports team here you know he could be pretty much close to what axiomatics is doing right now to be honest so that's what we want to do is pretty much get the community of all of us to say get the community involved so that way we can all prosper and you know reap the benefits for what the gaming industry not just esports but the gaming industry as a whole can bring to tampa I want to add one more thing, Juan. Uh, yeah, I'm go ahead. encouraged by the progress I've seen from the University of South Florida here in the last six, eight months, uh, getting really serious about esports and the intramural program and, and adding the curriculum as well. Because I think it helps future innovators, right? Kids who are in middle school and high school now, they can go to their parents and say, hey, this thing that I'm doing, you know, 20 hours a week that you asked me to stop doing, like now there's a degree path for it, right? That's important. Mm -hmm. But I think no. what's equally as important is as they're building this, like to include the four of us in those conversations, you know, and, and, and I want to give them credit because they, they've invited us to be a part of what they're planning um, here in the next six months. But I think each of us are eager to be more involved because we care, right? And we bring that authenticity and, and that helps make this the solution that it needs to be for our market. No, and I mean, I'm confident in the people on this phone call and, and what everyone, you know, we've kind of touched on what everybody's doing in their own individual realm. Um, and obviously we help each other as a whole, but I mean, I'm confident in everyone on this phone call to get it done regardless. Cause I know everyone on this phone call is ambitious and you know, we're all going after it and hustling it. So um, it'll just be a matter of, you know, who decides to come along and help and, and kind of help push that and, you know, a matter of who doesn't. So, um, but I guess to kind of that's like the realest I think we ever got on this podcast. So thank you guys for being authentic and and honest. I want this to be you know a, a platform that grows to be a space like that. But um, I guess to end on a light note, since we've been so real, is we'll take Chris's question um, that he shared with us in the group is uh, PS Five new Xbox is coming out. Um, Chris, we'll give you you know kudos to go first. Are you cop are you copying one of the systems or are you not? And if you are, which one and why? Uh, I'm going I'm to stick with PlayStation, so I'm going to go with the PS5 just because of the experience of having a, a PS5, a PlayStation. Um, pretty much, I think I've had a PlayStation. I didn't have a PlayStation 1. I had PS2, 3, and 4. But, I mean, just the experience of it, um, I would continue to being that, you know, buying that brand, I should say. Um the reason why I would buy um, PlayStation 5 when it comes out. I don't know if I'm going to buy it right as it come out. Um, I may wait just uh, as usual, just as a techie, as me, you know, let us see how it comes out, if any kinks. Um, 
they fixed real quick because I mean, I mean, PS what the PS3 went through two designs, and then now the PS4 went through three. I want to say so. Yeah. Hope, I don't hope. I don't think the PS5 would be a four rende- uh, redesign, but I mean, I, one thing I will get will probably be the um, the digital version because more of my games I I pretty much will buy online versus going to uh, GameStop or so for trading because I would most likely we play those games over and over again. Um, like I play Horizon Zero Dawn, probably I'm thinking about to go through the second time around after beating it and God of War. Nice, Derek. What's going to be the next high point gamer event? You're going to have PS5s, Xboxes, or both? Uh, I'm an Xbox person, so I, I don't. Okay. I don't know if that is Xbox become an old person's uh, console or something. I don't know. I need to check with the younger guys to see uh, what they're playing. But I'm definitely probably going to stay with Xbox. Got you. Marcus, what about you? Well, you know, I only play about two to four hours a week these days. Um, so I'm probably going to stick with the PS4 until one of the two of those consoles gets a price drop. But since we had the Super Bowl coming here next year, another shameless plug, Sony and Microsoft, and Nintendo for that matter, if either of you want to donate your next-gen systems for us to include in the experience, you know, reach out to one. Super Bowl, perfect time to do it. <laughs> and not just, uh, let's go in the dark side, can't forget about PC, so, um, you know, those companies like iBuyPower, CyberPower PC, Oris, um, Origin down, Origin PC down in Miami. You know, this is a good time to get plugged in, so that way people can buy your products. You know, especially for those pro gamers that are out there looking for a new setup, either for their stream streaming or for their next, you know, something to play when they go to those other cities that have uh, esports arenas that play on, you know, those type of PCs and units. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. We'll we'll see. I think I'm gonna do the same. I'm gonna wait see if the playstation I, I, i've always been playstation i'll probably go playstation but I, I agree with chris i'll probably wait to see if they got to fix anything on it before i go out and spend like what is it like 700 dollars or something on it like did they drop the price yet i haven't seen the price for it what was the what was the original price it came out for i was ballpark yeah i know it was high but oh i don't know what was it i hadn't seen the 700 sounds right though it was 700 or something like that but, but you have to think about it too right you pay 700 to a thousand dollars every 18 months for a phone Hopefully you this get a lot more use out of your console. That is, that is true. I mean, Apple, what, 12 was probably going to release starting at $1,000 again. <laughs> so, you know. No, ain't that probably. <laughs> no, people going to be lined up again to spend a, a grand more, not just for the phone, but also the accessories. So let's just say they're going to come out two grand on a phone. They're probably going to do the same thing for, well, it'll be probably less for a system. I mean, probably a grand. So probably the game games the service the subscription service like uh the playstation and for the xbox xbox pass uh, and the console so yeah probably a grand versus you know i'm i'm so old school gamer that i'm anti this digital download stuff like this that's some, <laughs> bull, that's some bullshit to me but Derek, Derek, you told me that I've referenced this Orlando trip a lot, but a lot of it is correlated with what we've said. Derek, you told me that on that trip, you were like telling me you were getting annoyed with the fact that you have to like download all the games now that you like yeah, the physical like and, and all the game updates that we constantly have. Like you don't have an original game anymore. I, I believe that um, the digital download is a, a clear indication of how out of touch uh, the gaming industry is with the community in general. Um, Think about you're leaving behind a whole community. You're making it mandatory for people to have internet connection in order to participate. Um, and if you think that's norm, that means that you're definitely uh, within the pri- privileged tier. And now you're saying before, like if you bought a game, you gave me the power to uh, spread exposure to someone else. Like little Jimmy that his parents don't buy him no damn video games, but I got this Madden that I had last year. I don't mind giving to Jimmy and letting him borrow it and play it. But now that I'm digital, I you eliminated that power for me. And that's now, make Jimmy feel more uh, out of the loop. Now to add on to, to Derek, how do you feel about 
the content that is coming from these game publishers, which is pretty much giving you, um, let's go for a sandwich model. So, you know, you get the two slices of bread, which pretty much is the main, and the meat, which is the main content of the game, but all the other pieces or so to pretty much complete the game, you have to buy additional. So you got to buy the lettuce, got to buy the mayo, got to buy the tomato, cheese, and everything else to pretty much make a complete sandwich from these game developers. So that game that usually used to cost 50, 60 bucks, now costing you almost $200. So I I can look at it from two sides, right? I look at it from um, each game has their own experience and their own personality and relates to that game. Like, you know, certain games, like this is some bullshit. They're going to make me pay for each piece. (laughs) And, and, And there's people that participate in that game for the whole hating of it of everything that goes along with it to play with it. And I feel like there's a community for that. But I also recognize uh, how many stories do we hear about uh, developers at these top gaming companies starving and and working crazy hours and not really getting paid for. So I can see it both ways on how do we get these guys better compensated for these great things that they're delivering to us, um, but also make it available to those of us as something that's reasonable you know like if i'm playing call of duty and i've been playing it for five years straight and the most that i've spent on it is sixty dollars that's some fuckery like that's I've, I've robbed um the developers at that point in my opinion that i've gotten a game for five years that i paid sixty dollars so if you average that out between let's say if you had a ten dollars or five dollars a month for that game you've got you've gotten over um so i'm not totally anti-paying for the extra stuff Hey, but, but on community. the digital side, yeah. Well, I mean, on the digital side too. If you don't have fast internet, I mean, geez, these Warzone updates are like multiple hour oh, updates. <laughs> oh dear God, don't get me started. And, 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 and let me just create a scenario because I know this would have happened to me as a child. Like Saturdays were my days to play video games. If I am a young child waking up Saturday morning and my mom's like, "All right, you got two hours to play," and I go and I got a four hour download. My Saturday is gone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not playing on Saturday. I, I wonder um, what type of rights do we have as the gamer to not have games that are um, possessive. So if Call of Duty becomes possessive of my Xbox and therefore everything that they pull out, put out maximizes the storage in my Xbox that requires me to delete other games in order to have this game, um, is that something that they should have the power to do? You know, should I, should my Call of Duty boot out every other game because my updates and stuff are filling up my Xbox? And is that a strategy from a developer standpoint? Create a game that, that pushes out other games from your console. I don't know. That it's warfare out there. It's a cold world, you know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that update that we all know, which was excruciating to download, was uh, intentional. I, I think it was um, either bad code or um, somebody did not check the box to only update the pieces needed versus you pretty much are re-downloading the entire game and it's reinstalling itself to be honest. That's what it pretty much came down to. You were re-downloading the entire game plus the extra content that they added and it needed so much space you had to delete your games so that way it can reinstall and then you can re-add back in your games you previously had. Hopefully you didn't just, you deleted just the game and not your save game data because if you deleted that, oh, you're going to have some crying people smashing TVs, the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for, for getting the entire game that you paid for and, and that goes back to Derek's content about like crunch culture, right? Like what is the acceptable amount of work to deliver the thing that you paid for? And can you get your entire game the first time? Because, and often, you know, especially some of these updates, it's fixing bugs that are a result of crunch and trying to force a bunch of features before the game is ready or release the game too early. We have a whole episode on this if you want. Yeah, we could. We could. <laughs> Put it on the... Put it on the put it on the blocks, man. man shit. I'll, I'll, I'll have to set this up so that we we don't run too long here because we could talk a lot about this. But, um, to wrap it up, no, I mean I, I appreciate all you guys coming on here. I know it's a Sunday night. Obviously, this drops on Tuesday morning, but appreciate you guys spending you know the time and energy on Sunday nights coming here and talk. 
um, and be honest and just kind of share you guys' stories and, you know, perspectives on where we're at. Um, we can go around real quick. I'll kind of drop. So if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that's always the best place to kind of click the links for all of our guests. It'll take you straight to the socials. So we'll drop one social media platform for each guest. So we don't have like 10 links in the, in the comments. So Chris, if you want to start, what is the number one best platform uh, for people to connect with you on? Uh, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Cool. For me, it'll be Instagram at high point gamer, all one. No special characters. I'm also on LinkedIn, Marcus Esports Howard. It's good for SEO. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, for everybody tuning in and listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, uh, Chris has been kind enough to record this. So hopefully this will be a YouTube upload as well. Um, but for all you guys listening, I appreciate it. And we will catch you guys next week on another episode of The Lodges Podcast.